0: episode of Airing Addiction in 2022. Um, We're really excited to be here today. I'm going to introduce our co-host and I'm really excited about our guest today. But before I do that, I just figured the new year is a great time to, you know, refresh um, our lives and reset and have some wonderful recovery conversations. And so, you know, this podcast will be, uh, you know, it's live now on Facebook and it'll be available today later as a, you know, podcast. And so I welcome you all to, you know, search Airing Addiction as a podcast. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of our fantastic episodes this year. Um, and in future years, I'm really excited about the, the work that we're about to do. And share it, right? Share this, this message of recovery. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jesse, who is going to introduce our guest uh, for the first of the year.
1: The first episode of the year. Can't believe it. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Jesse. I work here at New England Recovery Center also somebody in recovery, and I too uh, love starting off the new year with something positive, something uplifting, something inspirational, and I, I couldn't think of any better story to start with the new year than with Richard. Richard's story. Uh, Richard is someone I've known for over two years now, Richard, and um, it's been a joy and a journey, uh, or a joy to watch his journey, and uh, to start off, good morning, Richard, Good morning morning uh and just to open up you know to share whatever you feel comfortable with your your personal uh story how you came to new england recovery center what it's been like for you since coming into recovery uh any of those there that are applicable
2: well my uh my journey for addiction began back in 1985 and you know i had grown up through child abuse foster homes you name it, drugs in the home. And, you know, I had gone from place to place. And at the, you know, at one point after the foster homes, I had, you know, at a very, very young age, cause I'll be 55 in two weeks. I had to learn a lot about a lot of things that we look at as normal now, you know, finding out, you know, back in 1978, that your mother's gay, you know, back then it was as a child, you know, it wasn't re- realistic. You know we grew you know we grew up thinking you know hearing that word gay whatnot it was it was a bad thing and you know my parents my dad being a severe alcoholic you know my mother and dad always experimented with drugs having people over the house and i was you know dealing with so many different things so over the years as you know divorce took place um you know watching the beatings with my mother watching us getting beatings and many times i take a beating because my dad would line us up on certain times and the idea was if one of us moved we'd get more respect so I would go ahead and keep moving so my sisters wouldn't get the bad end of it and usually he'd give up and I'd be the only one that would be on the receiving end of it. So for me growing up the whole entire time I had to constantly just try to find things in my mind to keep my mind off of what was actually happening. So I was fortunate enough that throughout the years, you know, through high school and whatnot, I kept busy, you know, with sports and whatnot. So I never really got involved in any kind of drugs or anything until my freshman year in high school. And at that point, I had already been in foster homes, I had tried living with my mom, I tried living with my dad, I went back to my mom and the abuse was all there. And I actually believe it or not, I actually ran for class present for my sophomore year and I won. The only thing was the beatings were so bad that and getting thrown out and all kinds of things. My mother had already—it was her second time attempting suicide. So I had gone to this place called Camp skate down in Rhode Island. It was the theater camp, and while I was there, I talked to the counselors and I broke down. So they—they they talked and I reached out to my aunt and uncle, who actually got me into this particular um, camp, and I ended up staying with them so we and at that point you know a lot of different things happened and i was able to graduate high school i was able to go to college and college is, and i went for whole tourism management and i became the party king there the very first time that i really really started to drink all of a sudden nothing really mattered and all of a sudden i was the popular guy because i was holding the parties and then all of a sudden at my second year of college I'm basically getting involved. I created the very first Spirit of Boston. So I associated my popularity and all of a sudden being in management, everything else with my alcohol. And the fact that all of a sudden I never really thought about a lot of these past problems that I had. So I never stopped and looked back. And that's where everything completely, completely started for me and everything I ever did. And I've always been in management. So I've always had free access to alcohol for over 35 years. And it went on and went on. I, I had a relationship for 25 years, I have two amazing boys. Um, and thing was, I was and I was telling Lisa, I was a dead man walking. And, you know, two, uh, December second, two 2019, a friend of mine, Nick, uh, he had also been a manager of mine, you know, beforehand in a restaurant. And He, I had invited him to dinner, and he said to me, He goes, Well, he called me up and said he was going to be late. And I said to him, I said, Fine, that's all right. So, of course, I'm doing my thing. And my last seven and a half years of drinking, I was doing a handle and a half of Tito's a day. So, he showed up and he said, You know something? He goes, God told me I needed to do this. And I said, What? He goes, So he gave me this little box, opened it up, and it's my name inscribed on a Bible. Of course, I didn't think anything of it. You know, ate food, drank. He left. I did what I normally do and had a few nips and then, you know, sat down and passed off a little bit, got up, went into bed. And uh, realistically, at uh, about 2.45 in the morning, I felt like someone reached down and ripped me out of bed. And I know it sounds like a crazy story, but it happened. I get up, get off the floor. Of course, I had my, my nips lined up because in order for me to take a shower in the morning, so I wouldn't cut myself, I had to have drinks in me. Did a couple of shots walked into the bathroom, I looked into the mirror, and I started to cry. And I actually looked at myself and said, What have you done with your life? And I just crawled up on the floor and the ball in the bathroom and I just cried for like an hour. And it was at that moment, I realized that my life wasn't what I thought it was. So beginning that day, right up until the 13th, I started making phone calls, reaching out to people. And on the 13th, I actually had a meeting with my whole entire family and brought them in and let them know that I was an addict and that I was going to be going into rehab and that I needed to get some serious help. And then, of course, December 16th, I took my Uber over to Norman recovery center and literally from leaving from Townsend, Massachusetts to where I went to Norman recovery center, I sucked down a sleeve of Tito's. And that was it for me. I got there and is where my life began. And I'll tell you detox. I'll never wish it on anyone because it was just God awful. And, uh, Jesse, you know, me, I mean, I went, you know, there were on a mission. I knew at that point that I was at a fork in the road and the path that I was on didn't work. So when I got into the recovery, I was on a mission, you know, and I was telling Lisa, you know, I had after after the, the detoxing, I was, and I know this, I was one of, the, even though I was probably one of the oldest ones there, I was constantly working out and doing the things, but I had heard a Christian song by uh, singer Jeremy Camp, "Dead Man Walking," and to this very day, I listen to it every single day because it reminds me that I was for 35 years, even though I was a manager, but I was never accountable for my own actions. And I was, I was a dead man walking for a long, long time. And with you, all of you, I mean, you really, and I, you know, I picked your brain, I was constantly trying to pull you guys aside. Hey, I got a question for you, because I realized that in order for me to move forward, I needed to ask the questions I needed to, what I call set my toolbox up. So I could be successful in my recovery when I left and you all gave me So many different tools, and I've utilized every aspect of them ever since.
1: Wow, Richard, uh, that was that was amazing. I mean, I I do know you and I've known you from day one. When you mentioned that you were on a mission at NERC when you came in. I remember probably the first time I met you, you had that big thick book with you, and it was like the the physical fitness certification trainer or something. And yes, you know, I I didn't think much of it at first because people bring all sorts of things with them to treatment. And, you know, we, we just, especially at the new year, you know, we, we want to lose weight and we want to get better with our finances and we want to, you know, spend more time with family and all these different things sort of come together and and people show up with all these different goals at detox. But uh, if you could just talk a little bit about that and what you did with that big fat book uh, with the, your fitness Uh, journey. That fat book
2: is, was my study guide for international sports medicine. And I had many, many years ago, I came up with this concept of what it is that I do now. Thing is, God has a plan. And my plan was I needed to go through the lessons that I didn't like to do to get ready for where I'm at today. But that book, I was studying nutrition, you know, learning about foods, you know, I have I pretty much have every food allergy that there is. And my youngest son has eosinophilic esophagitis. AOE for short, which is a food-based disease that affects the esophagus and the digestive system. So I had, so I had to learn <clears throat> on top of my, my addiction and management, everything else, I had to learn about food. And what I realized many years ago is that food is medicine. And today, I'll be honest with you, if I didn't eat the way that I did with as much as I drank, I don't think I'd be alive today. So for me, once I started when I of course I dabble in it and whatnot, and I didn't finish anything, but once I get into NERC, my whole thought process completely changed. And especially with the Bible. I never ever thought about reading. I, I read a little bit of the Bible every single day. If I'm not reading it, I have something in the background that's going over scripture. Because it is not just a story, but realistically, it's a guideline. And when I look at, and I do have a saying now, a healthy lifestyle shouldn't in, in, in include a childproof cap. Food is a guideline, it's something that's natural, it's not man made. You know, and I look at, and I never look at these things, but when you ask me what I was doing there, this was the process of me learning about what really, what really works. And the moment I start, started picking up that book, it became not, it wasn't an addiction. But it made me realize something that, wait a minute, there's more to what's going on with us as human beings as to what we see on commercials and what we hear on radio and what we have for subliminal images that are thrown in front of us every single day. So that's what I did. And I was on a journey and I haven't stopped ever since. You know, so since I have gotten out of there, I've created Nutritive Fitness. I am now a success coach. I work with people that are dealing in all different forms of recovery because I have a saying that, you know, no matter what, someone's recovering from something every single day. And when people look at the word recovery, the automatic thing people think of is addiction. And as much as addiction is part of recovery, but if you wake up in the morning, you stub your toe, how are you going to recover from that moment? Are you going to crawl up in a ball and call it a day? Or are you going to be grateful that you didn't break your toe and realize the day's only going to get better? And, but none of this would have been possible if I had never made the first step. And that was <clears throat> admitting to where I was and literally just letting go of the wheel. I was always being in management, my own, basically my whole life, I was always what I thought in control. And I never had to be accountable. And the reason being is because I could always tell people what needed to be done. And I could articulate and get it done. And if someone did something wrong, I could say to them, well, you messed this up, you need to fix it. That way, I never had to be accountable. And where I learned that real first aspect of, wow, I got to really take a look at me, was when I looked in the mirror. And then, of course, being in New England Recovery Center for the whole entire month, because I did, I spent the month bothering you. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) But I learned there that at that moment, that place, all of you. This was my set of resources to set me up. Once I got back into the real world. Did we not know that once I got out, the world was going to turn upside down backwards? No. (laughs) No one's seen it coming. But it did, you know, but if it wasn't for all of you, and the, the lessons and whatnot, I never would have been able to succeed and be where I'm at today. And, you know, in gratitude for me, you know, once I, you know, when I, when I was knowing New England recovery center, you know, I went into the sober home in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, um, on January 16th, by February 23rd, I actually got baptized. And the ironic thing was literally two weeks after I got baptized, I was getting ready to go to bed. And I heard this little voice in my head that said, if I was able to keep what I said, I was grateful for, for that day. What would I have? And it scared the living daylights out of me because I realized I would have had absolutely nothing. So, myself being a runner, so the very next day I decided to go run 13 miles. And during that 13 miles, for every mile I ran, I said what I was grateful for. So, in my personal self, I created. So, when I run, I call it my run for gratefulness. And, you know, I went ahead this past December, I had well, uh, actually last, last December, I had reconstructive surgery on my ear. Right after that, uh, Mass I and Air asked me if I would be willing to run the Falmouth Road Race. So I can honestly say that at the age of 55, well, soon to be 55, I did, I did the Falmouth Road Race in 69 minutes. I was upset with myself because I wanted to beat an hour, but that's coming up. And then I've just been offered to... Um, run the, the bus Marathon coming up. So, I, so I've accepted the challenge. So, um, and that's what I look at life. Life is a journey. And we can either take our situations that we've been in and allow it to beat us up or we can live in the now and love the moment. And that's what I do. But I learned that Two years ago, I had to realize that being that dead man walking, that person no longer existed. And once I came out of New England recovery, I went to go play a game of golf with buddies of mine, and I started to cry. And I cried because I'm sitting down, and all of a sudden I look at this blade of grass, and it's prisming all these amazing colors because of the dew in the morning and the sun was hitting it. And they're like, dude, what's going on with you? I'm like, isn't that beautiful? They're like, what are you talking about? I said, look at that blade of grass. I said, I've never, ever seen something so beautiful, so something so simple. I said, I've never had the, taken the time to ever notice things like that. And even today, with all that goes on, I'm alive. I am no longer that dead man walking. and But recovery is something that would be part of my life every single day, you know, because whether, you know, whether it is addiction, or you almost get into a car accident, or you slip and fall, or if you're working out and you're feeling sore, or, you know, you're, you're, you're dieting or whatnot, there's that psychological aspect of recovery. And my whole thing is, how are we going to deal with that? You know, what are we what are the questions are we going to ask? You know, are we too prideful to get out of our own skin? Are we too afraid of being uncomfortable? You know, my whole thing is that we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's what helps us succeed. It helps us move forward, you know? And I'm, I've been working with someone who was very dear to me. And realistically, I happened to hear the song the other day, which is kind of right down the line called there is no fear in love. And it struck a chord with me because through recovery many times we've lost who we were we don't trust ourselves we don't have faith in ourselves we have no hope and many times we have no gratitude so one of the things that i work with or shall i say when i work with people our life is based consist of nutrition physical spiritual emotional and mental and if just one of those things are out of whack, it's all out of whack. We're completely out of balance. And who we are as human beings, we are so into instant gratification, especially being Americans. Americans, we are a very, very spoiled society. We make up 4.7% of the world's population, but yet we consume 80% of the world's opioids. It's frightening. And then when it comes to overall medications, we consume 93%. People understand that you went on a lot, many other countries, Canada is number two and Germany is number three. But the only time they ever prescribe anything is if you're dying, not even after surgery, you get surgery, you're getting Tylenol, <laughs> you know? So to me, it's like looking at how we are and the way we just want that instant gratification so much, instant gratification, whether it's texting, whether it's trying to see who liked me on Facebook or whatnot, it's a form of addiction. It's a form of people not having faith in themselves, that they they need that stamp to say, you're good, as opposed to looking at ourselves and saying, I like me today. And that's why to me, gratitude is so powerful. And even my my oldest son, He's like, dad, he goes, you realize my friends are following you? And they're like, you're doing things and you're saying things that are making people think. My whole thing is that gratitude list that we learned, I pretty much utilize it as part of when we wake up and we start writing down what we're grateful for, that list each day gets longer and longer. And it starts, you know, I always talk about gratitude is consider that many people, especially through depression and everything else, or that are with an addiction, we're living in this black abyss. And we don't have gratitude, we don't have hope. But once we start having that gratitude, it's kind of like all of a sudden, this little light goes on. And once that light goes on, it starts to switch to direction. And as we start seeing more and more of what we're grateful for, then all of a sudden hope and faith and love become part of that whole program. And that's how we really, really you know, focus on ourselves because recovery is all about us. Recovery is selfish. And if we can't, if we don't love ourselves, it's very difficult to love anyone else. If we don't work on ourselves, how can we ever do anything for anyone else? But I never saw any of that. Being management, everything else, I never ever looked at that aspect of life to the full whatever it is. If the doctor said this, I just went with it, you know? But realistically, what the information that's out there, You know, because everything, and I always say there's no money in the United States and people being healthy. If people are, if everyone was healthy, who's making money, you know, and it's, and it's frightening, you know, so, so my journey, you know, that, that I'm on, I believe that the 35 years of my addiction and all the different things that I've been through, and someone says, well, how do you know all this? stuff? And I was like, well, number one is experience. Not a whole lot that someone can say you don't understand because I have, I mean, I've been through child abuse, I've been homeless, I've been through addiction, I've been in jail. I mean, there are so many different things that I've been there, but I've always been able to find a way to take that lesson and turn it into an opportunity to learn something new. And I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. And I think a lot of people just get locked into the sorrow and just lose faith in themselves. And I know that I'm rambling, but it's, but wow. it's a powerful, powerful thing that we have to believe in ourselves. Everything be- begins with the belief in us. Of course, you know, I choose to believe in God first, but beside but after that, we need to believe in ourselves.
0: So a couple of things. Um, first, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, you're a wonderful storyteller. Uh, and so
1: yeah. <laughs> uh- thank you. <laughs>
0: This is a great, great episode, um, because I think it'll really touch a lot of people, which I know is one of your goals for being here. Um, and of course, our goal in general, right, in this podcast. But as a clinician, a couple of things really jump out to me in your story. Um... You know, one is, um, you know, when you were just talking about kind of that, having to have faith in yourself, a lot of that is identity, right? And so um, you also talked about when you started getting into drinking and how tied to your identity alcohol was, because that was what kind of got you popular or was part of your, your you know, connected to people and in college and in, you know, in the restaurant scene and all of that. Um, and then as I hear you talk about your recovery, you start to shift that identity, right, to be, you know, that recovery is part of my identity, right, yes. and keeps that keeps you in the center of that, right, and that's part of you, and the other thing that really strikes me as a clinician um, is your how well you clearly describe what something that's so hard for all of us, right, in January, I think, is the perfect time for us to consider that, and that is that balance, right, that whole person, Approach to wellness, um, because especially now, people actually in January, in my opinion, sometimes tend to be get further out of balance because they'll overfocus on the diet, the whatever extreme workout, whatever kind of extreme lifestyle shift they want to make that they're all of a sudden going to go from zero to one hundred on January first. And I really appreciate your kind of setting up that clear idea of that that whole person balance right that that health fitness you know self-love you know that you know nutrition emotional spirituality right and how all of those things have to be in balance in order for you to have wellness so can you talk a little bit more about you know your approach to wellness
2: yeah um i look at when when i when i so I'll, I'll give you an idea of when i when i sit down and have a conversation with someone who needs, whether it's someone that's looking to be on a diet, someone who wants to gain muscle tone, whether it's someone that has type 2 diabetes or whatnot. I actually give people what I call a three-day food journal because I want to see what people are intaking. Because no matter what we do, what we put into us, we are going to transcend, whether it's getting sick, whether it's not, you know, if we're constantly watching negative things on TV or whatnot, it's stimulating stuff with inside of us. So I like to kind of, but I like to see the nutritional value first, because then I can kind of sit back and say, well, there I have you know too much of this, too much of that. Look at the sugar intake, look at the caffeine intake, look at that, because if we're not eating naturally, we're basically we're messing with cells and chromosomes in our body, endorphins, you know, all of that stuff. So when we are on a natural plane, we're able to kind of sit back and and kind of do an adjustment on, you know, what this actually feels right. And people now when I, when all of a sudden they decide when I get them eating nice and healthy and clean and organic and whatnot. And then they go cheat, they're like, dude, I don't like you anymore. I'm like, why? They're like, because I went and had that burger, that Burger King, and I felt sick for three days. And like, because it's your body telling you that you don't need it. But it's the same thing, though, is about spiritually getting fed, you know, information that we receive, You know, what do we do with that? How how are we processing that? And are we able to take, and I'm a huge, huge, I like to try utilizing my Sundays or, you know, or sometimes Saturdays, believe it or not, just as a day of quiet. I don't put music on or any, I stay in touch with myself. I do a lot of, you know, a lot of praying. And it's just a way for me to kind of just reboot reboot my whole entire body because you figure everything that we do on a day-to-day basis there's stress around us all the time and you know you go to the supermarket how many times do you know I'll see someone you know the cashier and they're just frowning i'm like are we having a bad day today well you know i'm like you know what though i said be grateful you're working and i said and look at that beautiful smile and all of a sudden they'll smile and i'll say see there you go and then I'll say something that they may not know. And I said, look at that, it's already a great day. Why? I said, because you just learned something new. Wow, you're right. So I said, see, it's a great day. So I honestly believe that what we need to do in order to keep ourselves moving forward, especially because of recovery, it's so easy to fall into negativity because what's surrounding us every day now, fear. Every time you turn on that TV or anytime you listen to the radio, it's about the jab, what's going on around us. It's about politics. It's about this. It's about that. But it presents fear. Thing is, though, and I've said, you know, frankly, D. Roosevelt said, you know, fear is we fear fear itself. And it's a reality. Because on average, if we just worry about ourselves, everything else takes care of itself. We have to make sure that we're number one, and we need to set ourselves up for what makes us feel good. Just because a doctor says this is what you need to do, but if you ask a doctor something about nutrition, they're the first ones that are going out down the street to McDonald's and getting two cheeseburgers, a large fry and a soda. So if you're going to be talking about someone, well, you just had a heart attack, you need to do this. Well, why are you not practicing what you're saying to people? not to do and it happens all the time in so many different aspects and that's why we literally need to take that time to understand that things were put on this planet naturally for a reason i mean medication wasn't around forever and realistically even they have antibiotics many of them what do they do they break our immune system so yeah, we may get better for one thing, but all of a sudden we get sick for, some, for something else. And I and I'm so such an advocate as far as the nutrition aspect goes because food is thy medicine. And the good thing about food, there's no disclaimer that says may cause 500 things.
0: Have you seen folks in? So commonly we'll see kind of um, you know kind of food sometimes as a replacement. Um, and a bit of a substitution in recovery, right? Especially in early recovery, um, is that especially sugar uh, oh. you know, has a lot of addictive properties, and and if you're not feeling well, you're looking for something to help you feel better, right? And and you know whether it's acute withdrawal or post acute withdrawal, it's uncomfortable, like and it's uncomfortable for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't kind of go away quickly, and often you know sugar especially can be you know a bit of a means to to. Manage manage that, um, but then kind of can create its own challenges. Have you seen that in the recovery community? And, you know, do you have any advice for folks who kind of are looking to, you know, ha- have kind of a clean eating kind of nutrition approach to their recovery?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do all the time. I mean, my my family, it's like they, they always just say, you're crazy because I've had these ideas for a long time. And they always now all of a sudden they're following. Thing is, it's like many people that are in recovery and like you said, they're substituting Sugar is so bad because it creates inflammation in the body. And anything that creates inflammation in the body creates illness. It creates anxiety. It creates depression. It creates type 2 diabetes. It creates um, insomnia. It it, it can contribute to people having celiacs. You know, so that fixation of sugar, it's it's an artificial so-called high. The idea is to find more natural products that work with the endorphins and all the different, you know, about stimulating how we feel. And you can have that same fixation of that sugar flavor, but you can find stuff that don't have real sugar in it. And that's the idea. It's being able to trick yourself. Well, Well, I like the sweetness. I like the fizziness. Okay. But you can have fizziness, but you can have a healthy fizziness. You know, what about taking instead of having that, particular sit down and have a coffee with 15 sugars, what about going for a walk? What about maybe making a smoothie and instead of getting, having sugar in there, you're putting maybe a little bit of honey for the same exact thing. Of course, a sweetener is a sweetener, but if it's a natural sweetener, it's not the white process chemically treated, which our livers basically and our pancreas have a hard time processing anyway. But again, the idea is recognizing that and that's the same thing when people go to the gym. They, you know, all of a sudden they think they, they need to go to the gym for four hours a day. No, you don't. You're killing your body. You know, you realistically, to be, to stay healthy, you need just a half hour working out every single day. Utilizing just weights, but nutrition is so, so key. It's so important because the idea is to find stuff that's anti inflammatory. And there's so much information out there because it, once there's inflammation, we're, we're in trouble. We are, in, we are very, very much in trouble. And that's something that I've always been about is I don't eat fatty foods, I don't eat fried foods, I don't eat many breads. If I do, they're very, very specific. I don't do anything that's not, that's not considered non-GMO and I don't do anything that's not organic. And people worry about that stuff being expensive, but it's not, especially during the spring, the summer and the fall, we always have the farmer's markets and they, they basically give their stuff away. You know, and there's so many ways of getting that stuff and keeping it because processed foods it, in unfortunately in recovery. So many people and there's not a, this with recovery. There's not a, there's not enough resources out there to help people. So people are eating their processed foods, the sandwich meats. You might as well just drink poison because it's killing people on a regular basis. But it's not. But it's money making. So it's not helping people out. So that's why i really work with people and i teach i teach people how to look at labels and understand if you're drinking a soda you're putting 14 teaspoons of sugar on that 120 ounce bottle of soda you're putting 14 teaspoons of sugar in your body and your your body can't process it it just can't and the thing is that sugar you're going up and you're crashing so what happens they get another soda or whatever the monster drinks or anything to bring themselves back up where there's natural foods that do the same thing, except you don't crash. You stay energized, whether it's natural ginseng, whether it's ginger, whether it's, you know, making sure that you put a little bit of tumor, in, which again, takes away that inflammation. Once there's no inflammation, we feel you float. You really do. You just, it, it just changes how you wake up in the morning. I don't do any caffeine. I don't do coffee. I don't do any of that I, I wake up and I sing, <laughs> you know? But it's, but it's so important. But the thing is, is when you're looking at t- TV and all these commercials, you know, take this vitamin, take that vitamin. It's like th- the, the, the D word, dieting. 94% of all diets in the United States fail. And the reason being is because we're depleting our bodies out of nutrition that we absolutely need. And if we just eat the proper way, and again, I'm going to incorporate all of it. When you're thinking straight, when you're when you're eating straight and you're exercising, everything else works. And for me, I mean, and, and, and if and if whether, you know, no matter what, at the end of the day, we have to believe in something greater than ourselves. We can't live this life by ourselves. It's just not possible. And if we just totally rely on ourselves, chances are we're going to keep failing. You know, and I will always mention, you know, I my my faith is in God. But we always have to believe in something else. And Especially in order for us to move forward, because it gives us that hope, it gives us that faith. And as long as we have that, then we're moving forward. And that's why, you know, when we get out and when we're recovering, and I remember to seeing the difference of people eating 15 ice creams and whatnot, and just not loving life. Because at that moment, we're so saturated in this negativity. And then we're putting all this negative food in us. We're not feeling good. We're not feeling vibrant. We're, we're t- whatever energy that we may have, we're sapping it, and because we're falsely creating this stimulant, and then we're just crashing. So it feeds upon that negative that negative energy. So when we're putting po- natural healthy stuff into us, we keep this nice positive flow.
1: You know, Richard, um, I'm sitting here and I've, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for the past two plus years and just watching your recovery journey. But I'm, I'm sitting here thinking if someone tunes in right now, they're going to maybe double check the, the name of this podcast and think they jumped into like a, uh, a food or nutrition fitness podcast. Uh, and I, I don't want it to get it lost that, you know, I, I know your story. And I, I heard you say earlier that, you know, prior to getting sober, for uh, seven years, you were drinking a handle and a half of Tito's vodka every day. Yeah. And you said that you had the nips lined up on your bedside table where you, you needed them literally to function. So I, as someone in recovery, I'm looking at your journey and I'm looking at the big picture and I'm looking at the all or nothing, uh, what your your last two years have been. So you went from someone that's pouring all that vodka into your body and knowing that you have these allergies and knowing, you know, no one shows up to, to detox with a, a uh, you know, a fitness journal and and something to, to be a, a fitness coach without first thinking about it. And and for 35 years, I heard you say, you know, you, you knew this stuff and you did it for a little while and then fell off and then sort of everything came together and, you know, you're, you're new in recovery and you're you're eating healthy, maybe, you know, consistently for the first time. And oh, by the way, you're not pouring all that vodka down your throat. So you're feeling better because of that too. Uh, and I'm, I'm hearing you, you say a lot about these sort of secondary recovery, right. And I was, I was talking to, uh, another person in recovery from alcohol just this morning, you know, celebrated a year in recovery. And then, you know, had a conversation about some, some other addictions, right. And in recovery, we talk about peeling the layers of the onion back Mm -hmm. because, like you said, there's always something we are recovering from. Yeah. And you know, another big picture thing that I picked up from you is, you know, here's Richard showing up day one at New England Recovery Center on December 16th, 2019, you know, thinking about a, a healthy journey. And here we are in 2022 and you're going to run the Boston Marathon. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of a, a better way to describe it than, you know, um, a, a plan without action is just a dream right? And you've been putting in this action through nutritive fitness, through being a success coach. We haven't even talked yet about something you have coming up uh, called the thousand roads to recovery. And as we are wrapping up here, I wanted to make sure that people listening to this and people watching this live uh, has an opportunity to engage with you. So what is thousand roads to recovery?
2: Thousand roads to recovery is a show that I'm going to be talking, but because no matter what we are, no matter where we come from, we will always deal with some form of recovery every single day, multiple times a day. The extent of recovery is different, but I think at the end of the day, when people, so many people, and I was talking to somebody the other day, is when people are in jail, when they're incarcerated, when they come out, they're so they they, they have they're almost like they're learning the world all over again. Someone needs to die someone's dieting, you know, there, there's trauma to them. You know, when people are recovering from addiction, you know, are they going to transfer their addiction to another addiction or are they going to learn how to start moving forward, how to put things together, but there's not enough resources out there. So a thousand roads recovery basically is my way of letting people know that you're not alone and that whether you stub your toe whether you're coming off of an addiction, whether you want, you have this need to be liked all the time. Question is, how are you going to find yourself? How are you going to be happy with yourself? What is, what are the tools that you're going to utilize? Like the tools that I've learned since I left New England Recovery Center. I mean, I, when I left, I had a, my toolbox is overflowing. You know, I've, 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 I I look at the 12 steps, you know, I've gone to NA, I've gone to AA, I've gone to Al-Anon. Of course, I'm part of church. And I still, even though I'm not, you know, I don't go to them, I visit once in a while because of the the fellowship. And if I can offer something a little bit different and and part of the recovery is to get the word out there that there are many, many people out there that need help because a lot of this is all mental health. But question is, is what are the avenues that people are taking? Are they relying on a prescription? Are they relying on going to the gym too much? Are they relying on eating too much? Are they relying on doing stuff like watching porn on TV? How are they handling that situation? So a thousand Worlds of recovery is getting information out there that there are so many beneficial ways through nutrition, through spiritual, through, you know, emotional different ways of understanding. But more than anything, loving ourselves it all begins loving ourselves because nothing is possible until we love ourselves and that begins by gratitude, hope, faith which will equal love and that's what a thousand roses of recovery is all about
0: and I love that title, right? Because um, I think one of the, one of our first podcasts with uh, with, um, with me as a co-host, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to like dig through the archives. Um, but one of the guests kind of said, you know, which has stuck with me since. Right? There's no one way in to addiction, and there's no one way out through recovery, right? And so I love that that title, right? A thousand roads to recovery, because I think it really highlights that. Everybody needs to have that balance, right? That whole person approach, that that centeredness in themselves, right? But how they get there and what the components of their recovery plan can look a little different, right? Like whether what path they choose, what spirituality is helpful for them, you know, what um what kind of daily practice is helpful for for them, um, you know, what what paths they choose, you know, what kinds of things that they are interested in that kind of keep them in balance. Um, but they can all lead to, you know recovery, just, you know, a 1000 different roads. So I just I wanted to comment. I love that
2: title, because if, if you think about it, we are all perfectly imperfect people. But what works for you is not going to work for me. What works for me is not going to work for Jesse, because we all have, we all think differently. Physically, we're different. Our mechanisms are different. Our chromosomes are different. Our cell makeup is a little bit different. So that's why it's so important for our journeys to be focused so much on us because uh, there'll be 10 people in the room and our journey is all going to be completely different, whether, and like you said, going, going into addiction and then our life of recovery, because someone may come from a multimillion dollar home. Someone might come from the streets, you know, depending on what the resources are out there. So we, that's why it all begins with faith. And it begins with us loving ourselves, because that's how we set ourselves up for success. We can't worry about what someone else thinks about us. you know, one of these things when people go to the gym, they're worried about what people are thinking about them. Think about it, people go to the gym, no one's looking at somebody else, they couldn't care less, they're too busy worrying about what they're going to look like. But we are so eager to worry about what other people think. At the end of the day, it all matters because we come into this world by ourselves, and we leave by ourselves. At the end of the day, how do we feel? Are we happy? Do we know that we've, that we're accountable for ourselves and that we are 100% of where we want to be? And if the answer is no, then that means we need to work on ourselves. It's all, it's our own accountability. And that's what I do. I make sure that we are accountable for our own actions. We're accountable for our own health. We're accountable for our own, um, emotions and someone said what happens if you get this traumatic experiment mental you know mental health you know whatever depression kicks in anxiety are we responsible and accountable for making us better and I said you may hate the answer but the answer is yes because if you're not reaching out and you're just relying on what everyone tells you then you're never going to honestly succeed because if you're medicated well realistically a lot of whether whether it's Adderall or the benzos or what are benzos or it's another form of an addiction. It's just controlled by the special interest. The idea is how do you want to live your life as healthy as you possibly can according to how you know that you feel. And that's the important thing. And if we feel empty someplace, then we got work to do.
1: You know, Richard, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of uh, a certain theme that I, I wanted to just point out as we're uh, coming to uh, a close here in this episode of Airing Addiction, uh, I'm, I'm hearing you say in a, in a multitude of different ways that it starts with self. Yeah. It starts with us, right? It starts with the person in recovery. There's there's resources out there like Nutritive Fitness that you started since your time at New England Recovery Center. Uh, there, there's other holistic resources because mm-hmm. you know, as another theme that I'm, I'm picking up, that you know if it, if it starts with self, and, and self wants to recover from something, pick a thing, an adverse childhood experience, a you know substance, a behavior, a, you know, a, a food addiction, whatever it may be, you know, looking at it holistically, looking at it from all aspects of ourself is the best way to go about it. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that there's a certain uh national football league quarterback that is uh 44 years old and uh a lot of what you're saying is is a lot of what i'm hearing uh with his method you know just uh to play football longer and not be in recovery longer Uh, and you know i I just say that to say that you know uh it works it works you're a shiny example of this working you're not only talking about this but i know from our conversations and your continued engagement here with nurk uh and the clients here long after you know over two years after you've come out of here you know it, it continues to work your life continues to improve your life you know i, I understand even you're uh you're planning a trip uh soon yes yeah where I might cannot, that be
2: yeah i cannot wait well I'll, I'll be doing olive oil tasting in italy <laughs> You know and again it means something as simple as you know extra virgin olive oil people don't realize how much of a superfood it actually is you know but again it has to be organic it has come from a single region but there's and, and just simple things like that people are like how'd you know about you know I never knew that I'm like that's why you know I'm out here doing what I'm doing because there's so many natural resources just to really help us in so many different ways and that's why you know like I said emotional physical mental spiritually you know and um conditionally. I mean, all of those, you know, once they're if they're all in balance, life life is just it's you just feel positive every single day, you know, but but it's up to us to really find it. And, you know, and when we're in recovery, we need to ask questions. We need to ask help. We can't have so much pride that we're not we're afraid to ask because if we're not asking, we're not learning. And if we're not learning, we're not moving forward. You know, and I did, you know, when I was there, I was asking questions after every class. I was raising my hand, everyone. Hey, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? Because we have to, because it's our life, you know, it's our life and, it's, I, and we can either just succumb to whatever's around us or we can say we want to live, we want to be a hundred percent of ourselves. You but it's not easy, it'll never be easy.
0: Questions, right, you have, to ask, you, have to, you have to ask, you have to find out what your recovery path
2: is. Yeah, that's exactly it.
0: So that's actually a perfect segue into, is there anything, you know, we often will ask guests kind of for, you know, a favorite resource, a favorite book or, you know, podcast or something that we can leave our listeners kind of with, Um, is there anything that you would kind of point folks to, to, to start to do their own inquiry?
2: Well, I'll be honest, there is a podcast that I listen to. His name is Brad Jensen. Um, He's an amazing nutritionist, personal trainer and everything else. And he was a a 10 year heroin addict. He was spent homeless. Um, He actually tells a story about him actually, his mother, he was in the back seat and he didn't have any choice, but he put a needle in his arm with her having a watch. They, they disowned him for a while. He's now making seven figures a, a year. He's an amazing. It's called Key Nutrition. And he constantly talks about recovery and talks about spirituality and really brings guests on. And it's amazing in the field how many have actually been addicts or that have suffered from severe depression and anxiety. So that's one podcast that and it has been going on for three years now. He's absolutely amazing. He's very straightforward. And everyone that they bring in and they talk about the heart. They talk about they talk about getting getting in touch. They talk about and, you know, with him talk about the 12 steps, because the 12 steps, I think should, should be called the 12 steps of life, because if we if everyone followed them, this world would be a much happier place because it allows us to keep in touch with ourselves and to really understand where we need and the work that we need to do on ourselves. And then a book that I really, 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 really like, it's called The Recovering Intoxication and Its Aftermath. And it's by Leslie Jameson. And it really delves down into, especially for those with alcohol and addictions, of different scenarios of what happened and how all of a sudden the idea of that particular addiction it's almost like it's a toy. It's almost like it's something that's fun, but then as time goes on, you realize how just everything starts to implode. So I kind of really enjoyed that book quite a bit.
0: What was the name of that book again?
2: It's called The Recovery, Intoxication and Its Aftermath, okay. and it's by Leslie Jamison.
0: Perfect, we can link um, you know, in the show notes, we can drop in kind of the information about the, both the podcast and the book for our listeners
1: i definitely will be checking out both of those resources. So uh, in wrapping up, Richard, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your, your story, your journey, your just testimony of hope of someone who showed up to detox, not knowing what the next step was, but took that next step and continues to take that next step and have already helped so many people. And I, I know there's going to be many more people, Place in your path to help, and if if you're out there and you're listening to us or you're watching this on Facebook Live, and you're you're one of those people that you know is checking this out because you do need help or because some part of you you know clicked on the link or saw something in your social media feed, uh, please feel free to follow us on Facebook. Uh, look for the Airing Addiction podcast anywhere that you subscribe to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. We do. Uh, many episodes, uh, this being the first of many for 2022. So I just wanted to thank my co-host Lisa, wanted to thank James behind the scenes for a successful first airing addiction of 2022 with way more to come. Thank you so much, everybody. See you next. Thanks,
2: everyone. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, everyone.